We're going to do something a little bit different this morning from our, our typical anyway. I've uh, probably done this before. But I'm going to tell you a little bit about the AIM program first, and then uh, I've got some questions that I want to ask them so they can share some things with you, and then we'll, we'll wrap up with a little bit from, from the Word of God here at the end. Uh, so we save the best for last, right? Word of God. Not, anyway, the uh, Jesus stuff. What, what uh, the program that they are involved in is called Adventures and Missions. And it is a, I, I went through Adventures and Missions, uh, Tanya did, and, and you know other people who have as well. And we've had challenge, AIM teams come for Challenge Week for, uh, this will be our fourth time, I think it is, something like that. Uh, but I know that there are some here that aren't familiar with it, and some of you still, uh, it's, it's AIM. Some of you do AIMs like Walmarts and, and J- you know, J.C. Penney's doesn't even have an S in the end. I didn't know that until I was 30 years old because I grew up in Texas. But uh, Adventures and Missions is what it stands for. They go to school in Lubbock for eight months, roughly eight months, and get all kinds of training, right? In the Word, practical, out in town, all that kind of good stuff. And uh, it's kind of like Mission Apprentice Boot Camp, minus the tires being pulled across things. But... They, they work them hard and they study hard and pray hard and learn a lot. And it kind of, it, it takes them all of their time out in the mission field just to kind of catch up to the things that they learn. You may not know that yet, but that is true. You will spend your mission time trying to catch up to the things you've been learning the last eight months and put them into practice. They go to a mission field for anywhere from 14, 18, some stay longer. Uh, a couple of the aimers that went uh, to Mexico City that came here for our challenge team have just stayed and they might be in their third year by now. I'm not sure. Uh, so, you know, it, it can become a lifelong adventure, so to speak. And even if, even if they go back to college after they're done or go into the field of uh, different professions, it becomes a lifelong mission adventure wherever they are. That's, that's kind of the point of the program. Some go on to become full-time missionaries. Some go to be missionaries while doing air conditioner repair or teaching in classrooms and things like that. So that's, that's kind of the, the idea. They've been studying. There's a microphone on the floor. Y'all are going to need that so that they can hear you. And I'm going to ask you these questions. These have been submitted by the directors of AIM, things they wanted to know that they haven't been able to figure out. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to make them nervous. They say in a good interview you put them at ease, but I didn't want to do that, so this isn't going to be good. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, he said thank you, so we're going to start with Tyrus. <laughs> Tyrus Galicia. Yes, sir. Yes. I like that part. That's good. Uh, I take my glasses off out of habit and put them back on out of need. I want to know, they want, they're curious. How did you find out about the AIM program? What drew you to join? Well, um, I was doing multiple jobs, and um, I was more than capable of doing them, but it wasn't necessarily what I was supposed to do. And um, I was struggling with that because... You know, it, it's kind of a frustrating thing when you're more than able to do something and you know you're not supposed to be doing it, even though it's not wrong, I guess. And um, the only time when I was, I felt sane, I guess, is whenever I was able to do some kind of ministry, you know, just to be able to speak about God. And um, I've been talking to a certain pastor, and, um, you know, he asked me something because I'd been doing life and health insurance. And uh, he said, do you like doing insurance? I tried to rationalize it. I said, well, yeah, you know, one of the number one reasons for divorce is financial reasons. You know, so it's kind of a ministry in itself. 
And uh, he's like, okay, would you do that for free? <laughs> and I uh, kind of paused for a couple minutes and said, I would try since I know how to do it, but I wouldn't be able to do it nearly as much. And he's like, okay, would you do ministry for free? And I kind of just laughed. I was like, I've never asked to get paid for that, you know. And uh, he just kind of looked at me for a couple minutes, and I understood what he meant. So I started praying about it, and uh, sure enough, God opened some doors in a very interesting way. And um, I found out about AIM two months before it started. <laughs> and most people usually have around a year or so to get prepared. And so I was, I just kind of dove right in and um, been following following the footsteps that I think I should ever since then, God's been providing the way. So that's how I found out about AIM, and um, it's been an awesome adventure thus far. I think you can relate to this. I was talking with uh, a missionary in Guatemala just the other day, mm-hmm. and we have very parallel stories. It's kind of interesting. This missionary, and I, Roberto is his name. Mm-hmm. We were talking about how he I, – I was finding out how – kind of a similar question. Yeah. How did he end up – in being a missionary and he was in architecture school and he was working at it and he realized you know some, something was just disturbing in yeah. his soul and in his heart so this is not where I belong and the more he prayed about it the more he realized where he belonged was serving the Lord not that he couldn't do that where he was and actually one of his classmates is a member of his church now and serves the Lord by, by doing their projects for them so you can do that there. Yeah. But he, uh, he clearly God was putting something on his heart. Well, the funny thing was I was also Roberto the missionary, James Glasscock, and George Costanza were all going to be architects. <laughs> and same thing happened to me. Nice. Sitting in a class one day in an architecture class. I'd already heard about AIM. Yeah. And I looked around this class. I loved what I was doing. I was working on a project for state competition. And I thought, this is not where I belong. Yeah. And God just does that sometimes. Yeah. So I would tell you, there may be some of you sometimes, you're sitting there going, I don't know if this is where I belong. Maybe God has something for you you don't know about. You just never know. Adam, y'all sat in order. This is so convenient. <laughs> How did they know? How handy. Let's see here. How have you been challenged by your aim time so far? last eight months or several months how have I been challenged hmm I haven't (laughs) I'm just kidding I'm just kidding Um, he said the other night I am an honest man (laughs) (laughs) yeah Um, I'd say one of the biggest challenges was just growing my faith because when I first came to aim I was in a lot of doubt with my faith. I was thinking to myself, I really don't know if this is what I believe because it was just sort of what I've been taught my whole life. And I had never really been able to make it my own. And as a result of that, uh, oftentimes throughout my life, I just sort of left it by the wayside. And I was like, well, yeah, supposedly that's what I believe, but I certainly don't live like it. I don't act like it. And I don't really care one way or another about it. And that's one of the main reasons why I did join AIM was because I was trying to decide for myself, okay, is this real? You know, is this really what I believe? And so I'd say one of the major challenges uh, over the course of AIM was just adopting it as my own and then figuring out, okay, where do I go from here? You know, how do I live my life as a result of that? And so I'd say some of the challenges have just been taking the Bible, taking my life and seeing, okay, what doesn't match up here? What changes do I have to make in my own life for me to be able to say, 
you know, I am doing what God wants me to do. So I'd say what, that's uh, one of the primary challenges I faced. Your, uh, your question here, if I can read it. This is kind of like the Oscars. There's something on there, but you may or may not actually read what that is. Who was the greatest influence on your decision to follow Christ into the mission field? Um, so, um, I didn't really want to go to AIM. That was not what I wanted to do. My older sister and brother had gone through AIM. Um, and I wanted to do something completely different with my life. I wanted to be the different child. I wanted to go on. I was like, I want to go to the military. I want to go to the Air Force. I want to do that. Because um, I knew about AIM through my entire life. Um, I was three when my sister went, and I was seven when my brother went. So there's kind of an age gap. Um, and so I, I said, well, how, how can I go do this goal that I've put for myself? And then all of a sudden, I develop kyphosis of the spine. And I essentially become a hunchback. And now the military is not going to accept me at all. I'm not going to be able to do it. And so I'm like, all right, what do I, what do I like? What do I want to do? Um, and so I like, oh, I like computers. I'll, I'll head toward that. Well, Camp Adventure rolls around. Camp, if you don't know what Camp Adventure is, it's a week-long youth retreat for kids interested in AIM, uh, junior through college age, to go and live with the AIMers. And I had nothing, I didn't want anything to do with Camp Adventure. I wanted to do my own thing. I wanted to keep going uh, straight ahead into college. And my parents and my family, I was like, you need to try Camp Adventure. You really ought to try it. And your older brother loved it. Um, people have loved it. They thoroughly enjoyed themselves going into it. I'm like, fine, I'll go to Camp Adventure. I was not expecting what I saw at Camp Adventure. Um, I knew a guy who had gone through AIM that year. He had been from our congregation. And I saw where he was when he left, and I saw where he was when he got there. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Where, like, he had matured so much. And all of the aimers I saw were so mature. Yeah, they were kids sometimes, but they were so mature and so strong in their faith. It just blew me away. And I got put to work with Team Bolivia that year. Um, Timothy Kennard, Reagan Young, and... Um, are some of the names on that team that year. And Timothy Kennard just impressed me so much with his maturity, his strength, his um, just where he was at that time. And that is what pushed me to aim. It wasn't the Bible teaching. It wasn't the opportunity for missionary work. It was the growth, the maturity, the and where you were at the end of that eight months and where you were going to be at the end of the two years. And so those two names, Timothy Kennard and Reagan Young, really were the main huge influences for me to be here. Good. And just in case you're not aware, this church actually supports Timothy Kennard in the Sunset School and in his ministry at Adventures and Missions. And uh, his parents have been here before too. So fun fact. Well, this will be our, our speed round. All right. Okay. Yes. Sort of. I don't. You got three preachers on a thing. Do you think there's a speed round? That's like NASCAR and golf carts. Tyrus. <laughs> that sounds fun. I don't know. What is something that you've learned about Jesus, particularly that you didn't know before you went to AIM? That Christ isn't his last name. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, let's see. Uh, something I learned about Jesus. Uh, 
I think uh, in my class in Luke, uh, we studied more so in um, really just stepping in the text, and uh, that was with Pat Schaefer, and I remember particularly one class where um, he uh, he talked about the, the guy with leprosy and how he came up to him, and just the way that he articulated how Jesus approached this individual that had been just completely you know, rejected by society and the love and compassion that Christ had. Now, I know that Jesus is the embodiment of love, but how that was expressed and, you know, just illustrated, man, really made me think, man, Jesus loves, you know, in a, in a completely different way. So I got a completely different perspective on that portion of Christ. And that really, really impacted me. Cool. Adam. Oh, James. I forgot to tell you earlier that they are going to Coleraine, Northern Ireland. They're going to work with a guy named Bert, or Bertie, for those of us that know him a long time, Bertie Ritchie, uh, who, when we were in Bonham, uh, they supported him for like 30 years in his work there. Uh, and really, really great guy. So I'm excited for them. They're going to work in a great place with, with a really good missionary. Uh, what makes you nervous about going to Northern Ireland? Anything? What makes me nervous? Okay. Microphones. <laughs> uh, one of the interesting things about the congregation we'll be working with in Northern Ireland is it's a very small congregation. It's made up of about uh, 20 members, and of those 20 members, about half of them is the youth group. And so as we go there, we're probably going to be working with the youth a lot. And because of our age and the experience we've had with AIM, we're going to be, you know, sort of like... I don't know if counselor is the right word, but, you know, we're, we're going to be trying to guide them. And I think that is something that makes me nervous because I've never really been in the position where other people are looking up to me and they're looking to me for guidance and spiritual counseling in that regard. And so I would say that's something I'm nervous about because it's one thing, you know, for you to just be on your own trying to do uh, the best you can to be a good Christian. It's another thing entirely when there's the pressure of having other people look up to you for guidance. And so I'd say uh, that's one of the things I'm most nervous about is just having that role. God will use you well. And one of the things that they, an opportunity they'll have is Camp Shamrock. And they'll go and, and work at this. It's a Christian camp. But most of the kids do not come from any sort of a Christian background. A lot of them come from sort of an inner city Irish background and, and some rough backgrounds. And, and so you, you have a lot of opportunities share Jesus in a way that they haven't gotten to see before. And that's really, really good. Isaac, this is our last question. What? No. Because I know what I was about to read is not what I wrote. Ah, yeah, yeah, there we go. What excites you the most about working in Ireland? Man, there's so much there. There's so much there to do. There's so much to see. Um, I, th- I was thinking about it the other day, and... Um, I, I, I had always said if New Zealand was a field, I'd go back in a heartbeat. And just to let you know, Northern Ireland was not on my dream list of fields to go. And so I was, God sent me there. I'm, it's a very much you're going whether you like it or not, which is fine. Um, it's really the team that I'm, that I'm really um, happy about. And, um, and, uh, and so I started researching Northern Ireland um, when we were doing our presentation and the, the more I researched, the more I realized 
this is exactly what I wanted in a field. This is exactly what I needed in a field. And God knew exactly what I wanted and what I needed more than I did. And he sent me there. So what I'm most excited about, I guess, is the people, the working with the people there. Like, for instance, we'll be doing a ministry called Riding for the Disabled, which is equestrian therapy. So we'll get to ride horses and work with disabled children and people and using that to help them, uh, as, as well as um, other things like getting people rides home from um, taverns in the evening, um, making sure they're safe. And one thing after another, ministry after ministry was listed um, when I was talking to people over there, and just I really there's I really can't put one thing into that category. There's so much to do there. It's all so exciting. It's amazing. And we had a special surprise this morning, too, because we even had a brother show up in a kilt. How often does that happen? You know? Yeah. So so your, your acclamation has already begun, uh, which reminds me of a really good joke, and it is church safe. <laughs> Patrick Meoy said he's from a Scottish background. My ancestors are Scottish, so I think it's hilarious, too, what he says. He says the bagpipes... Uh, when the Irish gave the bagpipes to Scotland many, 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 many centuries ago, uh, they meant it as a joke, and the Scottish have yet to figure that out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to play it at my funeral. I don't know how you can. Before, uh, I want to thank you guys very much. I appreciate what you shared. I want to pray for you before, before we wrap this up. Let's pray together.